the afternoon delight on 970 ESPN. Wesley Euler with you here to the phone lines. We go. All of our guests here on the show brought to you by the Fox Bet app. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's our good friend Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked on Steelers pod- podcast. Kind enough to join us just about every single Monday here on the show, particularly a Super Bowl week Monday like this one. Mr. Carter, how we doing, buddy? I'm doing real good. I'm also appreciative that you brought me on the track called Real Friends. You so, like that? Yeah, yeah, way to bring in the subliminalness there. See, we are friends that are outside of just doing radio together. I'm, I'm always trying to have the subliminal hints in the music with what's going on, and, you know, I, I should have known. You caught on to it. Yes, this song, oh. this beat, of course, Real Friends, an old Kanye West tune, and Chris Carter and I are real friends, more than just on the show in real life. I mean, Chris Carter comes to my Oktoberfest party every year and just runs everybody off the beer pong table, <laughs> folks. Oh, man, I was very sad we couldn't do that this year, but uh, but that was fun. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, we did not have Euler Oktoberfest this year, obviously, because I don't know, you folks might have heard there's this thing called a pandemic. But but hopefully this coming October, we'll all be vaccinated and Chris will be back to run the show <laughs> one more time. Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports, the Locked on Steelers podcast. You hear him here just about every week on the Afternoon Delight. All right, partner, let's... Uh, Get right into it here, because plenty I want to get to you. It's a it's a big football week, certainly. Super Bowl week, Matthew Stafford trade. But first, where I want to start with you, uh, since we last spoke, Thursday of this past week, Mr. Rooney gave his, you know, his typical end-of-season address, if you will. I just wanted to know, Chris, anything now that we've had, what, about five days since then, anything that Mr. Rooney said stick out to you that you thought was, you know, maybe raised your ears that you thought was important? Oh, several things. Uh, one, uh, him saying that Ben Roethlisberger, you know, if he's going to stay, they need to work out a, a different deal with him because, you know, and that, that was the biggest question about this offseason was could the Steelers afford the $41.2 million cap hit? And the answer was no. Uh, and it was looking like, I'd say like up until like week eight or nine, it was looking like, man, with how efficient Ben Roethlisberger is, Maybe they're just going to have to eat that because he's going to demand. He's going to demand it by how well he's playing. But with how he fell off at the end of the season, playing really poorly in the last four or five games, then throwing four interceptions in the playoffs, that kind of you know showed the Steelers, hey, well, we need to put emphasis on the team elsewhere. And to do that, you're going to need cap space. And the thing is, this could really work out for the Steelers in the long run, um, and especially in the short run, because now you now Ben Roethlisberger, who said afterwards. Um, you know, he, he said it to I think Ed Bouchette and Jerry Dulac saying, "Hey, like I'm willing to work with whatever they need right now." Um, if he's serious about that, and we're talking about you know finding a way to move 15 to 18 million dollars uh, off of this year's cap, that's a huge amount of money that allows the Steelers to say, "Hey, now on top of Vance McDonald's retirement, and you know I know Pounties is still up in the air, even though he's been saying you know uh, we've been hearing that you know he's wanted to he's been leaning to, to retirement." If Pouncey retires, Vance retires, and they get that kind of money off of Ben's contract, they're almost back to even when it comes to the salary cap. And then they can start making aggressive moves uh, to say, hey, well, you know what? Let's restructure Nelson, DeCastro, a few other guys. And then they're back, they're back in the black, and then they can start you know, making some of the signings uh, you know, to prevent some of their players from going to free agency. But that, to me, was the biggest thing. Um, and, and honestly, it was his approach to talking about that. Because when he talked about it, he said, you know, in the playoff games, you can't win when you got four turnovers in the in the first half. You just can't. And, and 
and I know everyone, you know, everyone, but there's a lot of people out there that want to make it about the defense, make about that. But when you turn, when you turn the ball over that much, you're not going to win. He also brought that up as saying you can't blame coaching for that. That's not falling flat. That's making mistakes on the field. And him also saying that that's the reason why Mike Tomlin's still going to be around for some time. Chris, when the season was over, I believe it was the Wednesday after uh, that Cleveland Clinic at Heinz Field in the Super Wild Card weekend, Mike Tomlin said in his last presser of the season that we're not going to maintain status quo. That would be the definition of insanity. Then, you know, a few weeks later, Art Rooney II says that, you know, if he could have the same roster back in, in 2021 as they had in 2020, he would take it. And it didn't seem like he was really thinking too much about dramatic changes. Chris, do you think in their mind, you know, in the Steelers facility, down on the south side or, you know, on the Zoom calls, whatever, they're, wherever they're at nowadays, do you think that they think Randy Feetner, we're changing the offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, new tight ends coach, uh, New, you know, Tom Bradley gone, new defensive backs coach. In their minds, is that enough change? Like, in their minds, because I still think if they run it back with a largely similar roster and with Ben Roethlisberger, that does not constitute major change to me. That is relatively status quo. But you think it's pretty clear that they disagree? Well, I'd even say that that statement itself was more focusing on the defense, saying that, mm-hmm. I, you know, because when you looked at it, you know, the, the defense was playing very well most of the year, but then it lost several key players, namely uh, Devin Bush, who when, when, they, when he went out, the run defense just fell, out, fell off a cliff, um, and Bud Dupree, who although Alex Highsmith did a good job replacing in, in his rookie season, I mean, Bud Dupree was on a tear last year with eight sacks in ten games. He was going to finish, you know, pretty high you know, in, the, in the stack count and uh, you know, also boost the Steelers in key moments. And they probably don't win some of those games during the 11-game win streak without him. Um, so, and then you also had Joe Hayden missing in the playoffs. So I, I think what, what, what Mr. Rooney was saying was just like, hey, uh, you, you know, this, we, we got the guys. We'd like to run it back with everyone available. But obviously they got some change. Because also in the, same, in the same statement, he said, you know, you can't win a, win a season when you're running. You can't have a good season when you're running the ball and you're 32nd in rushing. Like, yep. that's, just, that's just not going to happen. And that has to change. And to me, that's part of why he's saying Ben Roethlisberger has to take a pay cut. Because th- that's the thing. I don't think he was necessarily saying, I just want the exact same team and do it all over the same way again, and it'll turn out better. I think he was saying, like, look, we got, the, we got the core together that we want. We just need to start adding new pieces that are going to strengthen some of our weaknesses, and namely the offensive line and the running game. And that's part of why Ben Roethlisberger, he wouldn't, if he really thought that, if he thought, just give me the same exact thing, no other questions asked. He wouldn't say, hey, we got to make a big take cut to Ben. We got to big, you know, improve the running game. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, I don't think you'd see a lot of those changes, but what you are, and I think that that's where you'll see their moves in this offseason. Um, they're going to try and they're going to try and retain some of the key role players I think that they're losing. I think namely Cameron Sutton, uh, maybe Zach Banner. Um, and then they're going to go into free agency and see who gets cut from other teams. Maybe if there's a deal out there that can be made and then go into the draft saying, Hey, what moves, what moves can you make to keep things afloat? Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh sports and the locked on Steelers podcast with us here on nine seventy ESPN. It's the afternoon delight reminder that Chris and all of our guests brought to you by the Fox bet app. Chris, as presently constructed, as we sit here right now, February 1st year of our Lord, 2021, are the Steelers Super Bowl contenders, true Super Bowl contenders, and if the answer is no, is there anything they can do in the offseason to change your mind? Not right now, no. But if they, I really think that people are underestimating how, how, how much this team has 
on its roster right now, even with, you know, the guys that, you know, even with the guys that everyone's saying like, oh, they could lose Juju and they could lose Bud. Um, this is still a team with a very good defense that when healthy is going to be a problem. I think the biggest things that they need to do to get to, that, get to the point where there's, you could say there's legit Super Bowl contenders are add, add, add a couple offensive linemen to replenish the group. I think David DeCastro had a rough year because of injuries. Um, I, I'm really confident that Kevin Dotson is going to have a, a really good step up year. And if they get, if they can bring back Banner or have a core for just make it, you know, have a decent season and they're able to add two pieces on the offensive line, that's going to be huge for protection and for getting the round game going. And again, they get, they got they got a really good chance this year, especially with the, within those first three rounds, to get a combination of linemen and running backs, or and one running back that's going to, that could really amplify the run game. And there's some really good guys that are going to be available in the first, second, and maybe even the third round who could start this year and be dynamic running backs at least in the early part of their career. So in, you, you do that, you balance this offense again, you and. Because, again, let's face it, when this team was playing its best this season, especially offensively, they were running the football. People forget they were, like, you know, averaging over, like, 130 yards per game on the ground in the first six or seven games because they had that balance. And when that balance went away, that's when, you know, the the, the tough times started to start on offense. So I look at this as an opportunity for the Steelers to build for the future and that they start rebuilding a ground game and they'll have a quarterback that knows how to manage key situations um, and if he's, le- if he's left in with, the, with just having to balance the run in the pass and not having to throw as much, I think that's going to put them in some decent situations. But it will take some, some good picks. It will take some smart moves. Um, and the key to me is getting that offensive line, uh, just a couple reinforcements, getting a running back that can actually make people miss in space and make people miss in the hole, and uh, making sure you add some key depth pieces on defense. They cannot go into the season with Justin Lane as their third option at cornerback. Um, and I do think they need to find one other type of linebacker that, that's similar to Devin Bush and can go sideline to sideline and you know, play with him most of the time instead of being more of the, the Vince Williams style, you know, buck linebacker that goes in and, you know, takes on, takes on the hits first. Chris, a pretty big shakeup, pretty big trade in the National Football League this weekend. Jared Goff heads to Detroit. Matt Stafford heads to L.A. Uh, the the Lions, pardon me, also get three picks, uh, two first-round picks and a third-round pick. Uh, right move for the Rams, a good deal for the Lions, uh, too much to give up for Matthew Stafford, worth it for a guy who's still only 31 years old. Uh, just wondering your thoughts on, uh, you know, by the NFL standards, uh, a pretty big trade, pretty significant trade that went on this past weekend. Well, this trade showed me, Wes, this is why we were saying, don't be, so you Steelers fans, calm down about these trades for quarterbacks. You know, every week, US, we were we were talking about, oh, oh no, see what's in. They want to they want to trade to get Deshaun Watson. Now it's Aaron Rodgers. Now it's Matt Stafford. Now it's Jared Goff. Now it's, you know, every week it was a new guy, and it's like, come on, listen. To get any of those guys, you're gonna have to give up a haul. And like we just said, the Steelers need to plug up key strengths and you know key weaknesses on their teams right now. And if you if you give up those picks, you give up those opportunities to plug to plug those players in. So for me. It just validated what I was saying all along about that. Now, granted, the Rams definitely wanted to get rid of Jared Goff's contract situation. That was a big part of why they, they had they had to give up so much in trading to get Matthew Stafford off the line. Uh, but the Rams are an interesting situation because I think that's now seven straight first-round picks that they're, they'll have traded away in recent years. They, they're, yeah, they're, they, haven't, they haven't had a first-round draft pick since 2017. Dang, exactly. And now with two future ones, 
they won't have one until 2024. Yep. Is that, yet, is that correct? 2023, 2024. Correct. Yes. And yet, Chris, they're 43 and 21 in that time. They've made the playoffs every year except for 2019. They made it to the Super Bowl. They've won three playoff games. Yeah, I mean, but uh, hey, when you build around a heck of a defense led by Aaron Donald, you add a piece like Jalen Ramsey, you're going to give your, yourself a chance. Um, those are two of the best. Those are the two best guys at their position um, across the board. But uh, again, I, I look at this trade and I see, I see, like, man, the Rams are really banking on the win now for the Lions. Uh, you know, I know I don't really, I, I don't know you. I'm not a, I wasn't a big fan of the bite your kneecaps off speech by the head, <laughs> no. the new head coach. Uh, but, uh, but. You know, this is an opportunity for him to say, you know what? You got a young quarterback. You got some. You got a high draft pick this year. You got extra draft picks coming in the future years. This would be a real good chance for him to rebuild and and, and build up what he wants the Lions to be. So he'll get that opportunity. At least there's that. But again, the biggest thing is, you know, Steelers fans got to understand if you want to trade to get that next level quarterback, you're going to give up several pieces or. You can do what the Steelers are, are doing right now, wait, build, and then maybe next year when they have more cap space and when maybe if they've addressed the offensive line in the running game, they're not as pressed to fill certain positions. And then you can say, okay, let's trade up and get the guy that we really want. Chris, another five, ten years from now, is the NFL going to look more like the NBA in terms of player empowerment and movement? I, I think it's slowly been trending towards that direction, right? Um, we see guys request trades and one out of their situations much more often now. I, I think, too, like guys refusing to be drafted by a certain franchise, right, like the John Elway or the Eli Manning, it used to be so rare and it used to be scrutinized and criticized where now it's like a discussion that we have, uh, should Joe Burrow refuse to go to Cincinnati? Should Trevor Lawrence refuse to go to Jacksonville? We have these discussions every single year. Is the NFL trending in that direction? Does it get to that point of player empowerment? Or, or maybe it's just kind of it's, – it's not as rigid as it used to be, but it's not going to get to that level. I mean, I, I think, honestly, it's kind of been selective with how it's been in that direction, right? Because we talk about that like now, like, whoa, that's crazy. No one's ever done that. But Eli Manning did that. He didn't want to go to the Chargers. Right. John Elway did John that. El- exactly. That's what I was going. John Elway did that. There have been players who have used their status and their power to, to, to make moves, to force the thing, things around before. I mean, heck, Antonio Brown did it just a year ago and he wanted to go to the Bills, or he didn't want to go to the Bills. There was talk about that. But um, when, you look, when you look at how, how the league is built, yeah, I think it's trending in that way in, in – in you know, in most in a lot of sports, with you see how the NBA and how they do. But honestly, I think it's just more players realizing that they do have a lot of power here. And as long as you don't self implode your career and you stay highly productive, somebody's going to want you. And um, and I think that when you when you know that you have that command and you can show that you're, you're that kind of player, you're you're going to command a lot of power. Now, what's going to be interesting is the NFL for a long time has stayed one step ahead of the players, especially hmm. of the players you. The NFL Players Union has been the worst sports union in sports. Uh, the Players Association they've they've uh, you know they've they've conceded a lot. They haven't really they haven't really pulled things off as well in the in the last several negotiations. I'd be interested to see how how this plays out with how the owners respond and how the league tries to cap it because I, best believe the owners are looking at this and they're thinking like, huh, man, we got to stop. You know, the, people are complaining about the franchise tag and. Players are trying to control this. They, they want to have as much control as possible mm-hmm. of their franchises and not have these disruptions where players are saying this. And for me, I'm I'm, I'm all about I'm all about the players doing what they got to do. You know, this is they, they're the ones that run the show. They're the, they're the they're the ones that you know that we go to see, uh, and they're the ones that make the plays in the field and win the games. 
I, I do think that they have should have more power. So I'm interested to see how this how this plays out. Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports, and the Locked On Steelers podcast, our guest here on the Afternoon Delight. All right, buddy, uh, before I let you get out of here, a couple Super Bowl-related questions for you. One thing that I've seen today all over the place, saw it on first take this morning, heard Colin Cowherd and Pat McAfee both discussing it on my way in here today. Everyone is is crushing Bill Belichick right now. They're saying that he was overrated, it was all Tom Brady, it wasn't really the Patriots' way, it was the Tom Brady way. Do we need to pump the brakes on that? Is is a is a one season sample size maybe a little bit too small? Is it too early to to just crush Bill Belichick in that regard? Absolutely. You know me. I'm not a prisoner of the moment. And, and look, I'm also one of the people that point that clearly point out the asterisks that are clearly attached to the Patriots' success over the past several decades. When you look at when you look at how how the, you know their cheating scandals have played into things, and you know, people try to play them down. I'm not one of those people, but. I will say that Bill Belichick is still a football genius. You know, just because they cheat doesn't mean he's not. I mean, he was the guy that figured out how to stop the K-gun offense when he was a defensive coordinator with the New York Giants, and they went up against the Bills in, in the Super Bowl. You know, he, he was like, hey, we've dropped, we've dropped back. We have two down linemen, five guys on the field, and he, and he figured it out. People thought he was crazy because, like, Thurman Thomas is going to run right over you. Didn't happen. Um, and he, he's done stuff like that all throughout his career. Now, granted, it, here's the thing. I think that there has there has been you know a little bit of maybe inflation of some of his genius because he had Tom Brady to save him um, because I think a lot of this comes down to you know Andy Reid was a great coach for several years people didn't want to give him his flowers because he didn't have a Super Bowl boop he gets Patrick Mahomes best quarterback in the league now all of a sudden he's he's a super genius and everybody loves him again um, and, and I think the same thing has happened with Tom Brady and you see Bruce Arians people are starting to recognize man that guy's that guy's a really good coach. Um, sometimes a great quarterback can make up for a lot of other issues hmm. on your roster. And when you've got a great quarterback, it helps with that. But you can, you can still be a great coach for, for putting up your team and the other players in the right situation, which I think Bill Belichick has done for, for, you know, for the most part when he was around, when he had Tom Brady. Was obviously, when he won six, six Super Bowls together. Um, and he also gave Tom Brady a lot of weapons. The problem was all the investments and all the moves they did for years to get Tom Brady weapons eventually that's going to wear off. You can't do that forever. Otherwise the Steelers would have, wouldn't have ever stopped being good in the seventies. You know, it was just one of, uh, you know, I, I think that's the big thing is that the Patriots ran out of guns. The Buccaneers had all the guns and Tom Brady saw that went there. Mm-hmm. And then he had, you know, three superstar wide receivers, two decent running backs, a good offensive line, a young talented defense. And I was like, you know, what? I can get that to the Super Bowl, And now he's there, but Tom Brady couldn't have gone to the Jets and done this. No, no. That is why he went to the Buccaneers, like you just alluded to, a team that was third in the league last year in overall offense without him. Uh, Chris yep. Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked on Steelers podcast. Uh, two great ones, obviously. The, the GOAT, the most accomplished quarterback ever in Tom Brady against the next one, Patrick Mahomes, who is just off to a, a start like we've never seen in his first few years in the league. But, Chris, who's more valuable to their team right now, Brady or Mahomes? Uh, it's easily Mahomes. I, I, like you said, I look at, I look at, I look at what the, the Buccaneers were before before Tom got there, and Tom helped stabilize things, no doubt. Um, but you know they could they could put up points last year, and they could make things work. But I, I look at Patrick Mahomes; that dude makes up for so much on the, on that team. With you know they can they can be down, and it doesn't matter. I mean, we were talking about this last week with how you know they were down nine, nine zip early, and it was like they got them right where they want them, you know, and. 
you know, and they, they overcame what a 24 point deficit the year before against the Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 all that's because you got Patrick Mahomes and you, and, and, and you got that guy on your side. Tom Brady threw three picks, three picks uh, two weeks ago in the uh, in the con- or last week in the conference championship game, and it, and his team was able to survive with it. Even you know he did throw three touchdowns as well. But that's the thing is that he held balance. There's no necessarily balancing of uh, Patrick Mahomes because he just <laughs> makes those plays. And, and granted, prime Tom Brady probably probably plays a lot better sure. in that situation, and it would be a different story. But we're talking about old guy Tom Brady. I think Patrick Mahomes does a lot more to cover up what the Chiefs make mistakes on than Tom Brady does for the Buccaneers. All right, Chris, last one for you before I let you go. I know it's still six days away here, but can I get an early Super Bowl prediction from Chris Carter? I got the Chiefs winning by 10. I think that there's going to be some offensive firepower early in this game, but I think that in the second half you'll see some key adjustments by both sides. There'll be some turnovers, some stops. Um, but eventually, Patrick Mahomes keeps putting up the points. Tom Brady kind of falls behind, I'd say, like late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, and uh, has a couple of three and outs or turnovers, and then that's when the Chiefs go to lead. The Buccaneers try to rally, but eventually the Chiefs are able to hold on um, and keep a 10-point win. I'm going to say, hmm, I'm going to make it a weird score, 42-32. to 32. I think there's going to be some Ooh, weird stuff to happen. High scoring. Game. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think that the – um, these two quarterbacks are going to play very well in this moment. Um, and uh, but but I, I just I got the Chiefs winning. I have a hard time betting against Patrick Mahomes. And and here's the thing. Here's the thing. There, there were two times where I was like, man, let's see let's see how how the Chiefs bounce back from not playing as well because they didn't play as well towards the end of the season when they were barely beating the Falcons, barely beating the teams, and then lost without Patrick Mahomes in Week 17. And then they barely beat the Browns and Patrick Mahomes got hurt. And then you're thinking like, oh, man, this is it. They're, they're facing the Bills who are red hot. And then they made the Bills look like they didn't even belong there. They just they smacked them around and made them, and made them nobody. I don't know if the Buccaneers got the juice to handle that. So that's where I'm going with the Chiefs. I think the, the, the Chiefs' offense will be too good, and their defense will be competitive enough to force turnovers and not let the Buccaneers you know, just run away and get back in it. Chris Carter, read his work, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Follow him on Twitter, Carter Critiques. Uh Listen to him on the Locked On Steelers podcast and just about every single Monday here on the Afternoon Delight. Chris, great stuff as always, buddy. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Wes. See you next week. See you, buddy. There he goes, Chris Carter. Love that guy. Ah, you know, not enough, not enough time to give him a hard time about those pit basketball Panthers. Ah, Should have asked him about those three straight losses. Should have asked him about that beatdown against Notre Dame over the weekend. Let's go, Mountaineers. 412-919-1316 on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. It's the Afternoon Delight on ESPN Pittsburgh.